February 23rd, 2022. This is the Sports Counterpoints Podcast. I'm your boy, GB. Got Brian and Coop back with me again. Uh, got another exciting show for you. What's going on, guys? What's up? Oh. All right. Yeah, good to be back at it. So we got today, we'll be talking about um, a topic we started last show, who has created the most meaningless regular season in pro sports. We'll talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend, and we got a a hypothetical, a thought process question on some college coaches in in football. So let's get to it, man. As far as that, you guys had teased this last episode. Who has the most meaningless regular season right now? Um, what, what do you guys think, man? Who's who's made the regular season pointless? Which sport? Yeah, you teased it. You started. Okay. So, yeah. I, the qu- question was posed uh, in a different context than before, and I thought about it, and I was like, to me, it's baseball. I, I, I think you just have too many games. Uh, it's not really valuable to go to a particular game as a fan. It's not particularly a big deal if you win or lose a couple of games to any particular team during the regular season. Um, you know, you have 181, 182 opportunities um, throughout the season to, to have it. Then, you know, I understand that there's a big cut for the playoffs, but by then – You've created a massive gap. Uh, players take days off. Just they just take days off. It's not, it's not injury management or or whatever. It's just like oh, I'm going to go to the beach today. So we're not going to have our star player in center field. Um, and you know they they don't make, make announcements. The league doesn't really frown on it. There's really not a big deal. Um, and you just have way way too many opportunities to let a game go. Uh, to experiment, which happens all the time. They still start a middle reliever because they're playing a subpar team. Um, and, and why not let that, you know, let that happen. Um, you know, they'll, they'll uh, try a new rotation on uh, for the lineup. So what you essentially have done, and it, you could do all these things in a hundred games, a hundred games is a lot of games. Um, but when you get to 160 plus games, uh, you get to a point where you've, you've watered down the, the value of any one event. And I've been to, I go to quite a few baseball games a year because it's typically when it's not COVID, but you, you can sit outside and, and I don't really watch it much on TV, but I'll go and watch a game and have a beer. And, and that proves the point. When I go to a game, I'm more interested in the food options, the beer, the people that I go with, the conversation that I'm going <laughs> to real. have. I will skip a game in a heartbeat if it's over 95 and a day game in Los Angeles. Um, and these are all things that, you know, if you look at football by contrast, where every single game is super important in the context of the season, people go to games in all types of bad weather. Um, and, even a game against the worst team is important because you need that win so that when you have a division rivalry game le- uh, later that, you know, if you lose that game, you can maintain a, a record balance. Every game is super important in baseball, lose one, drop one. It's really not a big deal. Jason, what do you think? To me, uh, it's the NBA uh, In the NBA, 62 and a half percent of the teams make the playoffs. That's uh, but 10 teams in each conference. Now, of course, the, Bottom two teams in each conference have to have a play-in game, but overall, 62 and a half teams, 62, 62.5% of the teams in the NFL, I mean, the NBA, make the playoffs. Whereas in baseball, I would say baseball, but not everybody makes the playoffs in baseball. So 
you're right. A lot of stars or, or like pitchers or maybe hitters just take, you know, days off. But in the NBA, I believe that the fans and the media have uh, made the regular season meaningless because whenever you hear people talk about, you know, let's say LeBron's the greatest player and you got the people, the Jordan people were like, no, Jordan went six for six. LeBron only has four or four titles or whatever. They make it all about titles. They don't make it about the regular season. They don't care about the stats that LeBron puts up. They only care about titles. And so therefore the regular season means nothing or what LeBron does in the regular season means nothing. He's only going to be counted by what he does in the playoffs and the championship, which renders the regular season pretty much meaningless. Um, the players make a lot of money now. They have, of course, they have a lot of guaranteed con. A lot, most of them have guaranteed contracts. So there really isn't any incentive to actually play 82 games anymore. Before in the 80s, where it was a small pie and players were trying to get as much as they could of that small pie, they took pride in playing in 82 games and you know trying to do the best they can or whatever for that you know because they're fighting for so for so for so little of not a huge pie. Now that pie is abnormal, is, is, is large and everybody's making 10, 20, 30 million dollars a year. And uh, so because of that, so many teams make the playoffs. The, the whole focus is all about winning titles, not what you do in the regular season. I render the NBA regular season as the most meaningless of all sports. And to be perfectly honest with you, if you look at those teams that are always trying to get the best record in the league or are usually the top defensive team, usually Every year is usually a young team. It's not a veteran team. Veteran teams just want to be healthy for the playoffs. They don't care if they get a, a first seed or even a sixth seed. They just want to get in and get in with health, and then they'll just take care from there. I, I think when you have a veteran team playing against a young team, home field advantage, I mean, home court advantage doesn't really matter in a regular season like that in NBA. Whereas if you want that game five in baseball, you want that in your home stadium because that's a huge, huge advantage. So my opinion it's the, it's the NBA because so many teams make the playoffs. And usually if you have the, the star player or the best two players on the court, you'll win regardless if you're the sixth seed or the first seed or whatever. Whereas in the baseball, you can't be a seventh, eighth seed. Only a few teams go. Glenn, you so, got an opinion on it? Well, uh, I was gonna, let me let me say something real quick. Uh, so, you know, I understand the point. The question I had for you was, I mean, they, they essentially, the playoffs actually have the same amount of people. What the play on play in does is it has the play in tournament that adds the two extra teams and it takes the seventh and the eighth seed um, and puts them in a play in tournament with the ninth and the 10th. Right. So the seventh and the eighth have to win one of up to two games and the ninth and the 10th have to win two or two. I kind of like it. I understand, I, you know, if it's your team that's in those ninth and 10th positions, it's kind of exciting that they have a chance. If they're in the seventh and eighth position, you're kind of pissed off that they didn't get there. And you're, you have to worry about them losing one game and being out because I hated the three game series. I, I understand all that, but I do think that it, the way that they do that and the way that they set that up makes it, uh, makes it more interesting at least. Whereas, you know, baseball has a bigger cut. But those games in the middle of the season, how many of them does anybody watch? I mean, you can go into stadiums and, and have whole rows to yourself if you will go to a day game. Nobody's worried about it. They check the record in a week, and, and it kind of just goes missed. But that was all I was thinking. I mean, I totally understand the point. And the NBA, you know, does by percentage allow more teams in, even at eight uh, in the playoffs, than a lot of other, other sports. Glenn, what did you think? 
Uh, I was well, one I was looking up because I knew that the way this was going to go was for sports we actually watch. So like I was trying to think of like the other pro sports. I was I had to look up hockey for how many games they play in a season, which is 82. I didn't even know that. And then half the teams go. But I don't know if in hockey it matters or not. I've been to hockey games in the middle of the, of the year and it seemed like it was pretty important because the fans were into it. But yeah, it I might think be. hockey does an amazing job. Maybe they do. Um, amazing job of making every game exciting going to hockey games. I'm not even a huge hockey fan. I like going to hockey games. Definitely. You know, it's exciting. The fans are real. You know, they're not, they're real fans just because yeah. the sport isn't the same. Um, and the points really do matter uh, late in the season. Yeah. Um, I can yeah, definitely. definitely attest being a Philadelphia flyer playing Glenn, you know, Philadelphia yeah. Yeah, Flyer yeah. fans are passionate, man. I mean, we don't start no mess in San Jose Arena, though. But but still, it's uh, pa- hockey fans are some really great fans. I, I encourage everybody to go at least one hockey game a year, seriously, because it's definitely a good experience. But be going back to your point, so in NBA, I understand what you said about the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth seed. I, I totally agree with that. But it's, the tenth seeds in both conferences last year were both had both thirty three wins and thirty nine losses. Does that team really belong? you know, in the play-in, you know, when you go 33 and 39, I mean, you kind of didn't really, you didn't win even half of your games and you, and you kind of get in, you know what I mean? Baseball really doesn't have that, you know? So, you know. Well, they have, I mean, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, having a, any team in a playoff that has, doesn't, didn't even win half their games, yeah. didn't get to 500, um, yeah. is a bad look. Yeah, it, it was um, the Spurs and the Hornets too last year. It was, it was perfect. And, uh, yeah, the one thing I'll say with baseball versus basketball is again, the quantity of games, somebody gets injured in basketball for a long period of time. It's a lot harder to recover from that on a schedule standpoint than, than baseball. And so sometimes you have teams like the Lakers who, you know, lost LeBron for, you know, a third of their season who could make noise and that kind of gives them an opportunity to kind of get a fighting chance. But I hear you. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if no team that wasn't better than 500 ever made the, didn't make, ever make the playoffs, I think we'd all be fine with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a being a money grab, right? Like you get a home playoff game for a team that doesn't belong to be there or, you know, travel to a game and get to have a little bit of energy and, into it. You know what I mean? And Silver so, wants to add another tournament in the middle of this, the year yeah, and get a yeah. playoff spot later in the year. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to yeah. be interesting. Uh, I don't, I mean, they haven't figured out all the rules, so I can't really give an opinion on what I think about it yet, but it, it is a very weird idea to have a, a mid-season tournament that folks are going to be able to use to play into uh, a championship or whatever. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like the NIT, which goes on at the same time as March Madness. Oh, no way. And I know, and but I know, you know how also, I watch. They also have the, the, the CBI. That's running at the same time as NCAA tournament and the NIT as well. You probably know about that. Those were the teams that went 11 and 20 during the year. So it's just, it's just too much. It's trying to make the regular season matter. Uh, That's what Adam Silver is trying to do. And I get it. He's trying something. Uh, You know, look, he looks at the reins, like, what can I do to try to get fan interest? I get it. I'm not in the, the, the top 10, the 10 teams in each conference. I can live with that. The whole mid season tournament. I don't know about that. I don't think I'll be in favor of that. The 10 teams I can, I can live with. Definitely, yeah, I could see that. I don't know that. Um, like just looking at it because I had to I looked up MLS, I'm looking up other sports to see like who has it, but it's really coming down to the sports I watch because I don't know what's happening in soccer or hockey until playoffs, truthfully. Yeah. So 
I'd probably say, I mean, base, I don't watch baseball until playoffs. It's too many games, right? And then like B said, you're having day games. There's noon games. There's 1245s, which are great if you work somewhere and your company gets seats because then you get a day off basically to go watch baseball. So that's cool. Yeah. But there's just it's too many games, man. I think um, for them and the NBA, they got to figure it out, honestly, because yeah. I don't watch either during the middle of the season, really. I watch a game here or there, but it's just it's too many. At some yeah. point I did when Kobe was playing for the Lakers, but right. now, yeah. And, and something that B said, any, everybody who listens to this podcast, uh, if you actually watch the NIT in college basketball, please uh, say a, give a comment on there and say, I watch the NIT, because I know I don't. I don't think Brian does, Glenn, you don't. The CBI never I've never seen, you know what I mean? So the, yeah. the only people who watch it is every once in a while, you get a UConn that ends up in the NIT, oh, yeah, yeah. and UConn fans will watch, you know, it's the fan base right. that would watch a Michigan state, no matter where they're playing, but there's no basketball fan who's watching it because of the quality of the right. games. When at the exact same time you have um, the NCAA is going on. I have no idea why they do it at the exact same time. Yeah. I know why they have to, right. It's an, yeah, in the yeah exactly. exactly. But I, I always felt like the NIT should just focus on being the preseason warm-up tournament. Yeah. Uh, Cause they have a, they have a preseason NIT, like do something then uh, to, to get your non-conference games in, which I think people would be really interested in. So there's random matchups and let the NCAA tournament be the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, that's definitely. Okay. Word up. So speaking of, we started with meaningless games we switched to all-star game talk. Um, although I think the NBA has done a good job with making the actual all-star game exciting, but it's in a whole all-star weekend, a weekend I did not watch any of beyond the game. So did you guys watch any of the other all-star events? And I mean, if not, like, what are they, what are they doing, man? What, what can they do? Cause it's. Well, this is my first time I've watched every single dunk contest, even if I had to record it. Cause I was out, I watched sure. every dunk contest they've ever had in the NBA. I did not watch a single moment of anything on Saturday. And once I heard the reviews of the dunk contest, I still haven't watched a minute of it. The only thing I watched was the game. The game, I had it on in the background because I was working on my computer. And I ended up watching more than I thought I would. Usually I fall asleep during the All-Star game and try to wake up and wake up around the fourth quarter. I actually watched pretty much the entire thing. And it was entertaining. It's an exhibition game. Now, definitely, definitely. Being, that I, that I, the being that I've watched All-Star games for years, I never knew that Anthony Davis held the record for most points in the All-Star game. I'm not in the All-Star records as an exhibition, but I didn't know that. So I was hoping that Curry broke the record, and I hope he was. I hope he broke it with that half-court shot because it looked like it was online, and he shoots it so effortless, effortlessly. Uh, he didn't get the record. He, he get, got 50, shut him out, I don't know, 16 threes or so. Incredible performance for Curry. But the thing about Curry, you know, I've always said, I've jokingly told you guys, he's Ray Allen with handles, with better ball handling. With his ball handling, he's able to get his shot up. Um, I'm not saying he's the best point guard ever or the second best point guard ever. To me, that's Magic and Isaiah. I'm not saying he's the best clutch guy, but he is probably the best regular season three-point shooter. I think he's the best regular season three-point shooter ever. And when you see him shoot, it, it looks to me, it's his flair, the way he shoots, and his hit, the, how effortless his form is, even on long-range 35, 40-foot shots. That's what he does is not is not easy to do. He just makes it look easy. And the greats always do. Kobe do. Kobe does. Jordan does. Curry makes shooting 28 foot shots easy. It's the same form. He shoots a 21 foot shot. And a lot of people don't shoot like that. They have to push the ball or put more strength into it to shoot from that far out. 
And when and Curry shot that half court shot, just look how he shot that shot. It didn't go in, but look how it, it was. It was like he shot a regular uh, high school three pointer. So that to me is what's it's kind of special. What's special about Curry? He just makes it look easy. But what do you what do you, if you know the game? You definitely know he put a lot of hours of practice in there. And all these people that want to be like him, want to be like Jordan, want to be like Kobe. Like Kobe said, you have to love the process to get to that point. If you don't love the process, you're not going to get to that point. What's that? So, um, you know, uh, the game, like I said, it was entertaining. I like the format. I know Brian's going to talk more about that in a minute. Uh, I like the format. Team LeBron won again. I I guess he's never lost in this format before. Uh, LeBron is very – calculating on who he picks on his team he seems to always pick the right guys uh and uh he didn't have James Harden I don't think so I think that's another reason why he won but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh B uh well, what you think about the game and the all-star weekend so, yeah so you know the I used to actually like the skills competition I don't even think it's there anymore I didn't watch a damn thing on Saturday uh I had no interest in it and the reviews for the uh for the game itself the, sorry for the dunk contest itself were just abysmal i mean i saw more pictures of Shaq uh taking a nap on the sideline frustrated with how long it was taking them to, to pull off dunks than i did of the dunks themselves i did see uh literally a, a TikTok length or a, a real length clip of obi toppin's few dunks and they were pretty impressive i didn't feel like they got them all off clean but it was still you know impressive but it was nothing like some of the more recent dunk contests. And, and I think we've just gotten to a point where because of TikTok, because of Instagram, because of Facebook or whatever your social media, you see people on the playground doing dunks that are 10 times better than, um, than anything that the NBA players can do. Um, you, see, you see them do uh, dunks that that are unreal and they're professional dunkers. They have professional dunk leagues. They have professional dunk contests that for, for other money. And I feel like you, you know, if you want to get interest in that um, you, you need to have those dunk guys dunk. Like it, the all-star game is a, it's an all-star game, right? So bring the best dunkers in America, throw two of them in with, you know, the, the pros and let them have like their it. one shining moment. Like, do something that that kind of brings it back to make it interesting you know hey can the you know earl the goat you know really do a dunk and, and take it off the top you know against uh michael jordan and and blah, blah, blah like bring it to the point where you have your league legends uh doing it against your street legends um and you know make it some level of intrigue like uh, with golf and some other sports, the open is one of the most watched events. And it's because you have the little guys who went through qualifying local, uh, local area events playing against the best golfers in the world and under the, the biggest lights and circumstances. And that means that people watch because, you know, there's always who gets the low amateur and a whole bunch of other stuff on the game itself. I love this new format. And we were talking about this earlier. I love this new format. It makes quarters interest more interesting the game itself has sucked for a really, really long time. And I'd still love to see defense, but no players are really going to put it on the line. And the best that we can hope for is three minutes and 50 seconds going towards the end of the quarter where everyone starts to taper down or that fourth quarter towards the end of the, the, the quarter where everyone really wants to win or come back and they get real serious. And for one moment, we have what we had in the eighties where these guys were, were willing to put hard fouls on players, you know, D up full court, 
do what it takes to win that game because the money was more significant in the overall scheme of things by a, you know, by a, a, a significant margin, you know, now this is the money that they make is per diem for what they spend on the weekend. You, I saw more videos of, of the roles that they had at the poker table in front of them, which I know were more than they got paid for being at that game to, to throw away. But yeah, I, I love the, the, um, the way that they formatted so that we get at least a little bit of, of competitiveness uh, talking about what you were talking about, Jason Curry was, is just at a different, in a different world when it comes to shooting a three and it, 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 you're a hundred percent right. When you say it's so effortless, but those of us who have played the game, those of us who have coached the game and the game, been around the game in some kind of way for some portion of our life can appreciate just how much work that goes into it. And I, I liken it when I talk to my friends who are coaches and, and you and your ref and, and all that stuff, I liken it to the same thing that happened with the mixtape era. So, you know, and one started creating the mixtape and then the, everyone would go out there and they would be trying to do all these crazy handles and you'd get 27 turnovers. And I'm like, well, they don't turn it over. I don't know. You know, I don't know what the difference is. They bounce it off their knee and everything else. I'm like, you don't see how much work it takes to be able to have that level of skills you need to stop. You need to learn how to play fundamental basketball and then, then be able to go and do this. This is no knock on Curry because it's not his fault. But now the kids want to walk in the gym, take a ball, check it from half court, and ask the rim why it didn't allow it to go through. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's the rim's fault. It's this fault. Um, not realizing that what, what, what Curry had to do to get to this point in his career, to have the stroke that he has, the quick release, um, the consistency of effort, because as you mentioned, whether he's shooting something from 10 feet or, you know, 30 feet, it, it looks like he's just normal form. Um, and uh, it's, it's really outstanding to watch. I, for that small pocket of time where he was just finding spots on the floor and going from logo to logo around the floor, basically playing logo around the world, um, taking these shots, it was, it was amazing. And if he had made that half court, court shot, I would have jumped up in the air and which wouldn't have been possible for me on Sunday. Um, and, uh, and would have been, um, you know, super excited to have been able to see that moment live. Um, anyway, so outstanding. Jason, I got a random question for you, man. Yep. What do you think? Do you think the NFL could do something in their pro bowl that is similar? It doesn't have to be the exact same. Right. Like, you know, my thought was, they couldn't do minutes because time of possession and, and football yeah. is different, but like maybe figure out what the average number of possessions in a quarter is and say, all right, each team gets three possessions a piece. Uh, you get an extra position. If you turn over the, if you uh, create a turnover, which would, would show teams that they want to play a little defense to get the extra possession, yeah. um, you know, do that for four quarters, <clears throat> do something similar where it's like first team to score, uh, you know, minus whatever the differential from the other three, something like that yeah. to try and make it at all interesting because the only thing that the Pro Bowl is good for, and you probably know, know about this, is is betting the over. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. Is that the over? Like, my friend uh, Brian Bender and I, we used to joke that the best thing to do on Pro Bowl Sunday was bet the over and go golf. Yep. Collect your money when you're done. Yes. Yeah. Um Brian, I will, here's the thing. From talking to so many guys who played NFL, I'm talking, I'm talking about I talk to a lot of guys that played 10, 15 years. Some just played five or six. 
the reason why I don't think the Pro Bowl to me is a meaningless event. I don't even watch it. It's not even flag football. It's worse than that. And the reason why, from what I hear from these guys is, especially the guys who run deep playoff runs, man, they're done. They don't want to play. They're injured. They hurt. They just want their, they just want their body to recover. And some of them are still pissed off that they lost in the playoffs. Like if you lost an MC title game, you're not thinking about playing the damn pro bowl, man. It's they players look at it as a vacation and a free getaway. And you know, the ones, you know, most of them don't play. I mean, like what you have now, I mean, who was it? Mac Jones was in the, it was in the pro bowl because of injury. Yeah. I I don't, and I don't even have a problem with, with, with that. Like if, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you just left, you want to go on vacation and you don't want to play in the game, that's fine. But if you're trying to get people to tune in, you've got to do something that makes it anything other than a joke. <laughs> you you got to get, but you have to get buying from the players. And I just don't think you can. I remember Peyton Manning was talking one time. He was at the Pro Bowl. And I think the only person that really is ever interested in playing the Pro Bowl, he said, was Ray Lewis because he just wants to hit somebody. I mean, because he was talking, Peyton Manning said, he was talking to Ray Lewis on the sideline and said he ain't hit nobody in two weeks. So he just was ready to go out there and hit somebody. There's not a lot of guys out there like Ray Lewis. You know what I mean? Ray Lewis wanted to play. Other guys just trying to just hang out. You see, they don't try to block. What's that? Did Ray Ray Lewis play college football? He played at the U, yes. Oh, okay. Oh, got it. Yeah, I guess you'd have to. I guess you'd have to. uh, So, yeah. But, you know, Brian, I agree with what you're saying. I I wish there was something. But until the players actually want to do it, I I just don't see how that's going to happen because the players have to make it happen. Yeah, I don't think that they would disagree with that, though. I mean, the players who actually go, you know, what it's not, you're not going to get Aaron Rodgers. You're not going to get Tom Brady to play. They're always going to have a back injury come Pro Bowl weekend. But Mac Jones and, you know, whoever else, and uh, Jamar Chase, uh, who obviously didn't play this year. The Diggs uh, brothers. It, it, they, they actually, I watched the whole game. It actually wasn't terrible to that, like, to that end. Those guys those are guys interested to play. in playing. Yeah, those guys wanted to play. And for the guys who want to play, Let's figure out a way to get them a crowd. They, by the way, the other thing that, that needs to happen is it needs to go back to Hawaii and be there all the time. Yeah. Because you ain't getting people to go to Indianapolis for yeah. a damn Pro Bowl. Yeah. Um, get them to go to because, Vegas. You know, maybe Vegas. Maybe we're going to have but, you're gonna have to tie some stuff in contracts. To go to Hawaii. Like, but, yeah. but you also have to tie some stuff in contracts, Brian. You got to put like 200000 or three. You got to do something to make them want to go. Well, not everybody has. Well, well I, ho- I hope so. I don't know if they have it in their contract, but you definitely have to have something in there. You know yeah, that they the have problem, to. Have, but a lot of them is you get selected. You don't actually have to yeah. play. You get selected. Well, to get a, that money. Who cares if Aaron Rodgers? Who cares if those guys don't go? I don't care if you if you go down there. I'm just saying if you want to make the game interesting, mm. not the names who are in it interesting. <clears throat> The game interesting. We got to do something. You know, th- they, there's something that they can do there. They yeah. um, um, what I. <clears throat> Go ahead, Bino. What I think the oh, NFL right. does is um, their skill events are more fun than the NBA, though. Like, I watch the, the passing competition is fun, like watching the quarterbacks hit the targets, and you can see the difference between a really accurate quarterback. Russell yeah. Wilson was lights out, hitting stuff moving across, hitting, you know, uh, up the seam, hitting like he was ill. Kirk Cousins wasn't hitting Jack. And then they had defensive players throw it, too. So you got to see that. You also got to see – um, they play dodgeball, which is funny enough. And then they had a spectacular catch event where, you know, you get to be creative with the catches for the receivers or defenders. So I think they do a good job about that. The Pro Bowl is fun just because of, you know, the seeing who um, the young guys is really why. So maybe there's a way to do that to keep the young guys in there because Mac Jones was was fun to watch. He had some passes in there. I was like, damn, dude could kind of play. So I you thought know, it was um, it was fun. 
And the, the thing that people seem to enjoy more than the game itself are the skills competitions. Yeah. Like, so they, ha- they, they have, you know, and I'll, I never watch them on the day of the event, but always at some point in time, I see, I catch a glimpse of the, the quarterback challenge where they're throwing crap at that. And the, they, the players seem to really like that or the, the running back shuffle relay for running backs where they have to go and do a whole bunch of obstacle courses and stuff like that. So they like stuff like that. And I think people yeah. are interested in that kind of stuff. Um, you know, people, Tyreek, the, the foot race, right. Or, yep. or, or Tyreek is racing the field basically. Yeah. Um, and, and in this case lost, like those things are, are things that are, 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 are interesting. So they got to find ways and tell a player like a Tom Brady, you can come and compete in the skills challenge. Even if you don't, uh, don't want to play in the game. I know your back is hurting you too much to play on Sunday, but sure. if you want to come, you'll get guys to come over and do that stuff especially if it's in Hawaii. I, well, I, 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 yeah. Like you're not, you just, you're not going to get that in Indianapolis and I'm yeah. not picking on Indianapolis, right. but I kind of am picking on Indianapolis. Yeah, it's yeah. rehab. It's also rehab if you're in the game, cause there's no tackles. So they're just kind of touching yeah. you and pushing you. Right. So it's like massages throughout the game anyway. So the court, yeah, the quarterback challenge is my favorite because man, yeah. it, it, you just tell being an NFL quarterback is just, is just, it's just totally different than yeah. college or high school, whatever. But I also like the bench press too. I watch like watching those guys bench 375 on the uh, on the incline bench press, which is you know more like five hundred on a regular bench, mm-hmm. but yeah, those are the two events I like. But the quarterback is uh, is obviously my favorite, and usually the, the elite ones, the ones that we know about, are the ones that usually wins those things, and the the guys that we yeah. talk about or I talk about. There's a reason why people talk about Drew Drew Brees as one of the best actual pure passers, because in those competitions, and they did like the sports science thing about this, that guy is amazingly accurate and you can't tell in a football game whether or not the 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 average fan whether the wide receiver adjusted or whether he hit the spot yeah but when you watch him throw a 60 yard thing and hit a hit the post dead center (laughs) um you 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 could you can understand that there's a difference between definitely uh barkley uh matt barkley and drew Brees. yeah yeah and for you know people uh, listening, I guess for those who don't know, uh, the difference between college and NFL. In college, you see guys wide open all the time. You can just throw it to the guy. In the NFL, the quarterbacks are usually the DBs are usually pretty good if they're not playing zone, and so they're pretty close to the receiver. So you have to throw the ball to a spot that the, that the receiver can actually get it. And that's what Brian's referring to. That's actually harder to do because there's no receiver there. You got to hope he gets there. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, and you throw it accurately, but yeah. Yeah, that was good. The wide receivers are fast, and you got to throw it to us. You have to have perfect timing, know exactly where they're going to be, trust that they're going to be there, throw it to that spot, and then and and be pinpoint accurate. I mean, it's 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 pretty amazing some of the some of the things that they can do. Um, Yeah, I had dinner once. This is a random story. I had dinner once, and I was sitting at a table uh, with Kurt Warner, and one of the people that I was with decided that this was the one of the greatest quarterbacks. We had a whole dinner, so we got to talk about him elsewise. But uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and the, the person that I was with turns to him and says, have you ever caught a pass? And he's like, and he kind of looks at him and, and gives him this quizzical look like, you know who I am. Why the hell are you asking if I caught a pass? And he's like, well, no, but I've thrown a few. And, <laughs> and, and then he goes, oh, so then you might not be as good as Brett Favre. And he was this is a lead in 
Brett Favre's first completion was to himself. He threw it off the back of the guy, oh, caught man. the ball, and ran five yards or something like that. And it's, you know, it's trivia. And it, 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 this was his opening to Kurt Warner. But anyways, the point being is that it just reminded me of how good Kurt Warner was. I mean, when I watched him that day, this is after he retired. He was giving a speech at a sporting, at a sporting event, a sporting dinner. And, and he was maybe 40 yards out um, from, at the, the Coliseum and just hitting the post. Just like, yep, you go back, boom, hitting the post, hitting the post, the the up uh, the goalpost. Every single time, dead on, you know, five years retired at that point, probably. Yeah, man, he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks uh, in the NFL history. Yeah, a lot of people said that he wasn't a Hall of Famer. I said he was based on two things. He bought two downtrodden, bad culture franchises, the Rams <laughs> and the Cardinals, to the Super Bowl. And – if they would have stopped San Antonio Holmes, if Pittsburgh would have stopped San Antonio Holmes, they would have, he would have won a Super Bowl for the Cardinals as well. That's hard to do. Anybody can just bring a quarterback in, but can you bring that guy that everybody rallies around and that can change the culture of entire franchise? Because the Rams weren't were nothing. And then he came in and came the greatest show on turf. Arizona Cardinals, they've never won a Super Bowl, I don't believe, in their entire existence. And he took them to the Super Bowl. So for that, those reasons alone, those two teams, bringing them teams to the Super Bowl, he should have... He should have been in the Hall of Fame. Is he in the Hall of Fame? I think he is, right? Yes. He, he is, okay. He almost killed Anquan Bolden, though. He, yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. was crazy. <laughs> but, and what's funny about Kurt Warner's career, remember, he started with the Rams, and then he ended up being a backup for Eli Manning of the Giants. You didn't hear from him for two years. And then he came out of nowhere and played for the Cardinals. Yeah. He was a backup. They thought he was done when he was – uh, and then he just went to the Cardinals and he went to the Super Bowl. So, a hell of yeah. a backup to have. Yeah. Damn. He was, ba- he was bagging groceries. In Iowa, he's playing for the Iowa Barnstormers in the uh, Arena Football League. So, so yeah, yep. So good for Kurt Warner. <clears throat> oh, nice. Okay. So we kind of teased football too. We kind of talked about college versus NFL. And our last segue or last question is like, has to do with college coaches, right? This is more kind of like a hypothetical for you guys. Who do you think is like has the hottest seat? Who has the most to prove? Is it Brian Kelly at LSU? Lincoln Riley for USC? Mario Cristobal in Miami, or is there someone else that you think of? What do you guys think? We take that. Brian Kelly at LSU. Um, so USC has had a lot of issues, um, and Lincoln Riley has already um, restored a lot of confidence and a lot of energy and a lot of excitement about USC football. And so you know, there are people who are going to want him to deliver on that on the field, but I also think that there's a level of patience um, because it's been such a long time and, and we know that we've got to do some things and we're getting a lot of transfers and he's got to rebuild the team and they, you know, the recruiting and all that needs to come together. Um, but when I say, when you look at LSU and what's been going on there lately and the fact that they're firing a coach that has produced uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and, and Jefferson and, um, you know, just like a number of, of our current stars in the NFL uh, recently won a national champion. You know, Miami hasn't won one in a few minutes and, and USC uh, has been a little while too. Uh, the expectations have stayed high, unreasonably high. Um, they, they haven't had much tolerance for, for coaches there. They've, they've ran folks out of town um, in some cases, unreasonably. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that that's a really hard situation to go into. 
Um, that said, I think Brian Kelly isn't mine going from that hot seat, or going from the old hot seat to the new hot seat. You know, he's under a little bit of pressure in his last last situation, uh, and and he was able to turn this into a pretty good situation for himself. But I think that that's going to be the most difficult situation because their expectations have been high, stayed high. Um, and they, I, I, I don't think they really understand that, you know, in the SEC, that's going to be pretty tough. Whereas USC and in my opinion, University of Miami, there's a little bit more patience. Um, you know, if you take three, four or five years to compete for a national championship, um, as long as a team is getting somewhat better, uh, I think that there's some patience for that. Whereas I think in LSU, if he doesn't have them in the conversation or they're not winning an SEC championship or in an SEC championship game in two to three years, they're going to probably look for the door on Brian Kelly. So it's definitely not USC. I know, Brian, we talked earlier about USC's talent. I don't think they have much of it. Just when I have a person who watched USC for years, it's just I think the talent, the speed, the athletic ability, the offensive line dominance is just not there. I think they were four and eight last year for a reason. So I think the whole new team, man, they went out and recruited everybody. We got, yeah, I, I saw that. I, I see they got some people. <laughs> yeah, Apple, so we'll Oklahoma just changed zip codes, but, go but on, if, I, if, if I'm a USC fan, like I know you are, uh, you got to give it at least two years, I believe. And I think they'll be definitely being the conversation. So it's not USC. It's not Miami. People think it is, but it's not. The reason why, even though they, they gave Crystal Ball a whole lot of money and a lot of money to these assistants, uh, you should see is the assistant, the staff he has. They've given a lot of money for some guys, and they spent some money on the AD. The AD they got him from Clemson. Uh, so, but the thing is, the first thing when Crystal Ball got there, first thing he said in his interview, we have to rebuild our offensive defensive line because he knows he can't compete for national titles with what he has, which I I wholeheartedly agree. So he just has to be competitive in the ACC this year. He doesn't have to compete for the ACC championship, but just be competitive. Be better than six and six this year. I definitely agree. It's it's, it's Brian Kelly at LSU. Um, they were looking for any reason to get rid of Ed Orgeron, and they got rid of him, and he just won a national title, like you said, with one of the greatest college football teams ever. Uh, Les Miles won a national championship, and they were mad when he was going nine and three and ten and two. You know, and they, they, they couldn't get him out of there fast enough, and all because, you know, he couldn't beat Saban. If they don't, if Brian Kelly does not beat Nick Saban in two years, that seat's going to get hot. He has to beat Nick Saban. And then if he beats Nick Saban, he has to win a national title for him to keep his job because that seat's always going to be warm, at least lukewarm at at minimum. Uh, He left. I understand why he left. And I would have left too, because you're never going to have a chance to win a national title at Notre Dame. It's an unrealistic fan base and you just can't get the players to go there to South Bend, Indiana. Uh, So he moved to LSU to try to get better players, be able to compete for a national title. Good for him. Will it work out? We'll see. Uh, but he's definitely under the most pressure, and he's going to have to deliver. Brian Kelly can coach. He is a good coach. I, I will admit, I definitely will say that he's a good coach. But having LSU's talent is going to be a lot of expectations, and he's going to go against Nick Saban in Alabama and you know, in his teams. But the good thing about it is, like I said in the previous podcast, Nick Saban won't be able to raid – a lot of California and Florida talent now because you got Lincoln Rally now at SC and you got Crystal Ball at Florida. They're going to keep some of that talent now in California and Florida, respectively. So Saban's not going to be able to raid like he uh, freely, like he's been doing over the past few years because USC and Miami has been down. So I think Kelly has a chance. We'll see. Um, but but yeah, I agree with you. It's definitely uh, uh, Brian Kelly at LSU under the most pressure. So Glenn, all you have to do is ask us this very same question every week, and we'll agree on something every week. <laughs> 
<laughs> got you. And I don't even have a I don't watch any college ball. I was just thinking about this earlier. I'm like the, the worst sports host possible because I don't even watch half the stuff we'll be talking about. So I'm just here to make sure things go right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if people don't know, I'm wearing the University of Miami hat. All okay. we have to do is do this together and you'll be <laughs> so go like this and we'll be down. University yeah. of Miami. Mm-hmm. Cool with the you. Word, word, word. All right, cool. So that's our that's our show for today, fellas. Always a pleasure, man. We're at our last segment, the minute to win it. Um, if either you got something, man, go ahead, get it off your chest. I'll, I'll start on this one. Uh, I don't, for those of you who watch or pay attention and pray, pray for Ukraine. If you have a moment, share a thought. So missiles, we were doing this show, uh, missiles were launched at the capital of Ukraine. And, and so for all the crap that we've been reading for the last few days, if you were reading it um, about, you know, there's sanctions and there, it might go a couple days and he's just going to, uh, Putin's just going to go in and, and claim areas that uh, are considered independent and all this other stuff. It was all lies. It was all posturing, which a lot of people already sus- suspected. And, and now you have, we're on the precipice of a world war, possibly. Um, this is a very dangerous situation. And, and I just don't think people recognize it. So say a prayer for, for those folks over there. Um, say a prayer for ourselves, uh, or whatever it is that you do, take a moment. I'm not a prayer person. So know that if I say that, it, it means, um, that I, that there's some level of concern about, uh, what happens next. Um, I have colleagues and friends from both Russia and the Ukraine, and uh, my thoughts are with both of them and their families right now, because it's a dangerous situation all around. That's good stuff. Um, mine is um, is what had the events that took place uh, in uh, Stockton at the Lincoln High School. It was Lincoln High School. I forgot who they were playing. They were playing at, at their gym. It was a girls' high school basketball game. Uh, it was about about nine seconds left in the game. Uh, the home team went up by a point, and then as uh, they scored the basket and went up by a point, there was eight seconds left in the game, and then. Uh, uh, people from the stands rushed the court where the point guard from the team who got the ball, Lincoln High, had to kind of weave their way through. It was actually a woman on there with a baby on the court as well, had to weave their way past her to try to shoot a shot, and which missed, and the game was over, and the refs kind of scurried off the court. Um, I just think if there wasn't a, a principal or a vice principal or some at school administrator administrator from that school at that game and they're supposed to be there for playoff games at least one person supposed to be there for a playoff game uh what just happened me being as a as a, as a ref a person who referees basketball games it was just kind of a sad thing to watch uh how the referees just let that go on nothing nobody got penalized no texts were called they didn't replay the last eight seconds they didn't do anything they just left uh went to the uh, opposing team's gym i mean a uh, locker room locked the door and then left uh, you just can't have that. I know as a person who referees a lot of youth sports, you have to have some kind of control and it just an adult in the room to handle situations like this. And that just didn't happen. Things just went haywire. Uh, that video is now viral with Lincoln High School in Stockton. And I'm hoping that the CIF, the California Federation of High School Basketball, I hope they replay that game and they replay it at the same place, penalize the home school for not doing anything about it, uh, not having any administrators on, on, on staff. On, on, uh, at the game and then uh, get some get some competent referees out there and have them replay that girls game because that was a good game could have went either way they need to replay it uh, they haven't the, the result of that game isn't official 
but I'm just hoping they replay it just for those the the, the athletes, the girls involved, because they deserve to have a fair shot to both teams have a fair shot to win that game. That's it. All right, both both you guys had good stuff. I think Brian, I mean, I can't say nothing else beyond that. Coop, you had a good one too. Um, for sure. I, I don't really got that, man. I just want to thank you both for letting me do this. I love you guys. My big brothers, man. Um, shout out to mom, to my sister, to the fam, uh, Jilly and everybody else who listens. Appreciate you all. I uh, love y'all. That's, that's it, man. Definitely prayers up for, for, like you said, Ukraine, Russia, all over the world. People are going through stuff. And then there's also COVID going around still. So yeah, um, we appreciate all you guys for listening. Um, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And uh, we'll check you out next time. This is Sports Counterpoints Podcast. One more thing. You guys, listen, please give a like on YouTube. That'll help us out tremendously. Give us a like. Yeah, yeah. I like where you at. Word, word. Appreciate y'all.